Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, don't be Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Honky, and I'm with Mac. Hey, Redcasters. I'd like you all to join me in wishing the man to my right here a happy anniversary. 20 years in the books. Am I wrong? No, you're right. (laughs) Well, we can also wish the exact same thing to the guy across from us here, uh, Redcast Rob. Dave is just logging in here, so he's going to be getting in here in a second. And Boomer is somewhere in Wahoo and should be here uh, by about halfway through the streets. So, uh, yeah, so Redcast Rob, who also has an anniversary, your hot take. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, happy anniversary to you and Kathy Honky, and um, especially happy ninth anniversary to uh, my wife, Rachel. Um, you know, it, we were joking tonight at dinner with my whole family before before the show tonight that I've been married for 19 years, nine of them to Rachel. So <laughs> they, they love that. Yeah. They, <laughs> well, and it's kind of funny, too, because um, subsequently I was just sitting there. We were all having a conversation. I got my head turned. Server comes around and, and uh, bringing drinks. And all of a sudden I've got lemonade and water dripping down me. She dropped her tray as she was coming oh. past me and just dumped water and lemonade all over me at the restaurant. So that was really fun. I I'm not going to lie. It was Sounds so sticky. I showered twice before tonight's show. <laughs> Very nice. Here, we're going to bring Dave in Dave. I hope you have your hey. head- Dave. Do you have your headphones on there? Yeah. Do you hear me guys? Yeah. yeah we're yeah, great. All right. Rock. Excellent. We're good to go. Welcome okay. to the go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot of practice, Honky, and Streamyard apparently forgot who I was. I literally was like, it like normally just lets me log on, and that's not the case any longer. So I guess that's what happens when you take a few months off of the show. No worries. And and Boomer, Boomer's going to have you beat. He'll be here probably in a half hour. He thinks he was he was somewhere by Wahoo about ten minutes ago when he was texting me. So, but he thinks he'll get in here in the middle. This is a good chance here. We'll just go real quick through our sponsors and upcoming stuff. And then we have a full show of this is midsummer check-in. A lot of things going on. We have Alumni Hall, and you'll see their logo up here on our top left. Uh, we have two Lincoln locations with that. Downtown and South Point Pavilions. Downtown's at 1120 P Street. Uh, next is Pipeline Jerky, pipeline-jerky.com. Uh, use Redcast, officially gets you 10% off. Let's get uh, some more guys onto the pipeline right. and, and use that NIL to uh, to go towards that. And then last but not least here, we have the Smack and Smooch. I am wearing a Smack and Smooch hat that they just got me. Uh, Mac, you got another one of the, the Redcast hat? I had to give this one away because it was so popular. I'm wearing Generation Red t-shirt uh, oh. today, and that was made by Smack and Smooch as well. So really uh, out to Ken and Scott with those guys out there at the nice. Generation Red. 
Honky, yeah. we shouldn't we shouldn't forget about the battle in Boulder as well, um, being put on by our good friends at the um, uh, Big Red of the Rockies out there in Estes Park. They're going to be having that huge uh, celebration Friday, September eighth, before the game there in Boulder versus um, that team who's name 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 i can't remember that other team that we'll be playing week two i think whether they're they're a fcs school i think or something that we'll be playing in week two um so you know you can portals yeah the the, (laughs) yeah the colorado community college um so yeah we should we should think about that too Our, our our good buddy gary is out there he uh you know, he's putting it on. He wants you to go online. You can buy tickets for it. Um, spend the night up in Estes since Boulder is going to be super expensive. And, uh, you know, make sure that you, you get out there. You can meet Tommy Frazier and, you know, we'll have a good time. I think some of the members of the Redcast might even make it out. Yeah. Just in Estes, Rob, actually, over the weekend and chatted with uh, the guys at Big Red of the Rockies. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big shindig. They've got a hotel there. And I think it's I don't know, 34 miles, which actually takes probably, you know, a little under an hour because it's a little curvy. But yeah, um, a little a, a, to your point, I think it is relatively convenient and um, would be a lot of fun that Friday night. Yeah. And if you've never been to Estes Park, Colorado, um, and you're visiting from Nebraska, it's I mean, if you want to get like a nice Colorado experience while in town and not having to spend the night in Boulder, um, which nobody ever wants to spend the night in Boulder. Um, head head up to, head up to Estes park. Cause it's beautiful up there. And especially this time of year in the end of summer when the rivers are flowing and everything. So, yep. Well, let's get to what we want to talk about. And this is midsummer. It's been a good month. Mm-hmm. And, uh, on the left here, we have to give a shout out to ourselves, give a shout out to graphic designer Swobes. Love that guy. Uh, he created the, the go big Redcast logo. One of the greatest logos in the history of logos. In fact, uh, the at Podpole, pod uh, it even said introducing your 2023 Podpole Best Logo Tournament Champion. This was, this was national, the Go Big Redcast. I didn't know that. It was the bane of Texas Tech, the circle with words, the logo they love to hate. The the number of fans or number of other opponents we had that um, somehow took offense to the fact that we just had you know words inside a circle and, and that didn't qualify as a logo because they're four year olds, as they said. One. The Texas Tech folks said uh, our four-year-old can draw that, and I was like, "Oh, well, well a lot of four-year-olds can draw arches." Or, why wouldn't they just or use or a computer? <laughs> My four-year-old would just use a computer. Ha ha! Take yeah. that. I was gonna say a four-year-old can draw arches, or they yeah. can draw, you know, a swoosh too. I mean, For sure. it's not. I didn't realize it had to be a. I mean, I have a literal artist. four-year-old who probably could draw this. I, I'm not gonna lie, but you know, it's, uh, it's at just the same time, it's recognize it's recognizable across generations. Right, so I guess you could say we're a generational logo. Mm-hmm. Well, in addition to this being a good month, uh, as Abby has already said here, when uh, she said it's been a busy month for multiple sports, on the right, uh, she goes, "Okay, just humor me." And this is from the 16th of the month. Uh, rule awakens Nebraska by going rule year two and year one. Cook plus Larson, so Jordan Larson's come back for volleyball. Plus, of course, we have all the good news with what volleyball's what's going to be happening on, on volleyball yep. day in, in August with. Breaking not just, as you said, Mac, on one of the shows a while back, when Trev gets pissed about something, mm-hmm. when Trev gets, you know, really um, competitive, this yeah. wasn't just like we're going to – let's just beat Wisconsin's yeah. 17,000 or wherever they right. had to show up at the Kohl Center last year. We're going to destroy it. We're going to yeah. have 30, 40,000 people come out, and instead it's going to be an yeah, international world record. over that into a ridiculousness, and I mean, it's, it's pretty fantastic. It's insane. 
basketball, Casey obviously came back. Uh, we, we've got some other guys that we've been in on uh, with softball, Jordan Ball. I mean, like this is the Heisman that one's winner. The big one, huh? That's huge. Pitching <laughs> staff. Dave, maybe this would be a chance to kind of get you in here. Even like the pitching staff, uh, you know, getting Childress uh, uh, elevated up into it. Now that we brought in a couple of pitchers too. Uh, you know, so I mean, all of these different programs seem to be on a. You on know, a they say the pitching spot. coach is like the uh, <laughs> offensive coordinator for football. Nobody <laughs> says that, Mac. <laughs> I, I listened to that that uh, uh, match rule. That was that was a good one there, Mac. <laughs> I, I, that's how it was presented to me, but <laughs> that's one way to help. think of it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe more of a defensive specialist. Yeah, doesn't he know. just tell him to throw strikes? No, yeah. you idiot! Yeah. I'm like, I'm damned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. <laughs> I would want to. I want to add a little bit to the uh, logo contest because I, I I feel like we're not actually. I mean, even though you praise Swobes, you don't, aren't actually giving him the real credit due here. I mean, like Rob Rob said, like my four year old could draw that too. Well, like, a bunch of people can replicate anything, right? But actually coming up with something original that's memorable is a lot harder. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I think that. What what Swobes has done with our logo um, is a, a stroke of genius, really, right? I mean, it's simple, it's memorable, it tells you what it does, and uh, it's ours, right? And um, I think what most of the folks in that 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 poll don't don't actually get is that um, logos with a bunch of crap thrown on them are crap, right? And uh, so I I I don't. I don't. I don't think we could have done that. I don't. I mean, you could replicate well, that, but you well, wouldn't have done it yourself. Swole, Dave, I, I, I can want to make sure we, we give him credit for that. Dave, I can promise you, I couldn't have done it because I had a yeah, shot at, at creating our logo and what. And you know what it was? What was I planning? It to was. Do? It was the outline of Platte County, Nebraska. Yeah, because oh we were going to be called the Platte yeah. County Boys. So, so graphic designer Swobes not is widely is not, known shape is Platte not County. only a great graphic designer. That's yeah. I mean, and he is. He's done this for 30 years he's also the the man behind the name yeah we wouldn't be yeah. the goby redcast if it wasn't for Without for swobes nope. and uh, we really should have a swobes day well he'll be on a <laughs> he'll be on a fan forum at some point here all right yeah but, and, uh, i i appreciate that dave i think that's that's uh there's a lot of kudos that get to should go out to dan for that and he's done a great job with it and and uh husker fans we don't lose twitter polls anyway yeah but I mean, we, we, we should but we should for that that was that's a damn good logo so you're and you're you're right too dave you know i that that is i joke about the four-year-old thing because that's kind of the argument that we got into with that guy but i mean i even made that point to that guy like saying basically thank you very much for the compliment because 
everything that you just said that was bad about our logo is actually why it is so good. Good. Right. Like, yeah, and yeah, and right. I, and I got into that argument with him on Twitter. Um, I mean, I have a degree in marketing and advertising, so I know what works and what doesn't work. And nobody, nobody forgets. I I've had, I have red cast stickers on my car and people come up to me like frequently, especially here up in Greeley. There's a ton of Nebraska fan, fans out yeah. here. And I've had people ask me about it. Like, where'd you get that sticker? And yep. when I, I have, have a degree, them, I in, just hand it out, but I have a degree in advertising. I still thought Platte County was going to be good. So, <laughs> <laughs> but but as we look at, as we look at the fans, though, I mean, think about that. Now, I asked this Twitter poll here. It was tell us your current state of Husker football fandom, and uh, this could be more than just football. This could have been, I think, all sports, but I, I did want to keep it just a football, based off that last tweet where you know sure. we were talking about all the sports are going pretty well. But anyways, um, wanted to kind of gauge it, and eighteen point eight percent said no emojis, just prove it. So that was really the you know let's be as real as you can. Stop you know stop with any of the the you know, pump the brakes kind of thing. Cautiously optimistic, 45%. Drunk on Kool-Aid already, 35%. Other 1%. I was almost a little bit surprised that drunk and Kool-Aid was that high. I, I thought we'd have a little more of the no emojis. What just because I voted? Oh, you're drunk on Kool-Aid already. And yeah, bring it up, Rob. There you go. Of course, he has the uh, has the picture of Kool-Aid. But I, I figured just knowing Husker Nation, the, the way they tend to be, especially on Twitter, that no emojis would be a third or, you know, maybe even up to 40%. So to only be at 18% to have, you know, cautiously optimistic made sense to be number one. That seems like the, you know, that seems like cautiously the best, you know, answer there. That's probably what I would have voted. But, uh, you know, I guess I'll start with you, Dave, here. You know, the, I think people, there's a lot of good things going on right now. Today we're going to get to talking about recruiting and the recruits are coming in. And I think Husker fans are really liking what they're hearing and what they saw in the spring ball. They like the fullback. They like getting under center. They like the physical stuff. So they, it still has to equate into wins and we haven't seen any of that yet. You know, you got to wait till the season and the game for that to happen, but it certainly seems like people are on board with what coach rules doing. Yeah, I think so. It's hard not to, to some degree. Right. And I think the poll here shows that, right. I mean, I think, um, you can be, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the poll was well, well worded, right. Because you can be cautiously optimistic and not be expecting to go to a bowl. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it depends on how you define that. Right. But what, what's hard to argue is that Matt rule has done a lot of good things over the first six months of his tenure here, six, seven months. Right. And so, um, that, that, that part is really, um, you know, hard to dispute. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's easy to be cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think some of the things we're going to have a mailbag at the end of this and some of the questions start to become expectations Mm. and we're going to get that from some of the people. What are your expectations? And that doesn't always have to be a number thing. It doesn't have to be saying eight, and four or six and six or 10 and two. It can just be, it can be, you know, winning the line of scrimmage or beating, beating, you know, splitting Iowa and Wisconsin or whatever it is, you know, ending a streak. You know, there Mm. can be a number of things that can be an expectation. Mac, I'll ask you, as you look at this, where would you put yourself in with those three? Um, cautiously optimistic, but that is considerably higher than I would have thought myself to be at this point when rule was hired. Even like, I, mm-hmm. even when he was hired, I was like, it seemed like the, the right hire, everything like that. And I was, I was okay with the hire, but he, he seemingly like almost weekly got out some kind of news that I had approve of mm-hmm. and things that I, you and I might've spoken about that need to happen. The in-state recruiting is obviously one of them. The way the camps are set up, the way he's running those are one of them. 
the big recruiting weekends that actually result in in commitments at the end of those weekends. You know, usually it's yeah. just a bunch of it's a bunch of flash and cash, and and it's like, and then everybody goes home, and it's like, well, it was a great visit. I rated a nine out of ten. We never hear from them again. Hmm. You know, and so that's been happening. Like you talk about, oh, we're gonna go under center. You know, we're gonna huddle. We're gonna we're gonna go to the uh, do- the dormitories for uh, for fall camp. I love everything he's saying. Um, the fact that our transfers are coming in the way they have been. It's it's. Well, I guess what I'm saying is for me to be cautiously optimistic and no emojis, just prove it speaks volumes to what he's done thus far. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm fully and cautiously optimistic. I don't think I could be drunk on Kool-Aid. I just don't think I could be for this. I, I don't know how that between now and the start of the season, I, I couldn't imagine something like going much better than it has to put me in that category. we got to win something it, like now we beat Minnesota by any margin. Who knows? You know? <laughs> <laughs> if we beat if we Minnesota by any margin, I'm going directly back to uh, Jerry's house, and I will be doing remaking the Kool Aid video that I always post on on Twitter of the guy like opening up the shower curtain and pouring Kool Aid all over himself. Oh. I will remake that video if we beat Minnesota. <laughs> that works for me. Well, let's get to the recruiting well, real piece. quick though. But what are you at with that? Oh, I mean, I think cautiously optimistic okay. is well. No, you know what? I, I'm drunk on Kool Aid. <laughs> what he's doing is right. Yeah, for and, sure. and drunk on Kool Aid doesn't mean that I think we're going to go ten and two. Drunk on Kool Aid means that. Oh no, that's what he's doing is the right thing. I I said from day, Iowa and Wisconsin. I I don't even want to get to that yet. <laughs> that, right, I right. mean, drunk on Kool Aid really means that what they're doing with the program right now, from in-state recruiting, from Strength and conditioning. I mean, you see Gabe Urban today, the, the photo of him. Like, oh, I'll send it to you. That's a um, but, but more than just that, it's it's the the, the fullback. It's under center. It's it's you know, uh, getting in a huddle. It's just it's slowing down and playing mm-hmm. good football again. And that's what he wants to you know mm-hmm. the details, all the fine details. Yeah. Hearing in-state coaches talk about him the way that they're talking yeah. about him, um, all those things have me drunk on that Kool Aid. Even the even the players. That- even when we lose a quarterback, the, well, the number one quarterback in the nation, we settle for an elite 11 quarterback from our own backyard yes, that, that, that yeah. simultaneously brings in two wide receivers from him same, from the same school that we really wanted on top of it. So it's like it's pretty good falling up. Yeah. You know, I don't – because uh, Tony, who's a longtime listener and my nephew of the show, he, he, he thought maybe – that was one of our one of the better things that did happen to us was not getting Riola so that we did get Kalen so that did secure the Bellevue guys. And I don't know that I could argue with that. You could make the argument that who knows what it came with Dylan had Dylan committed here, but 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 it's more fun to talk about the way Tony did. <laughs> That's more Kool-Aid-ish to talk about it that way, but it's a good point. Well, um, yeah, I mean, here you've got the – this will get in. Those are great graphs. Oh, Calibra. Is that a real one or did somebody make that one? That Calabrasco one. Yeah, this gets us into the recruiting It's like an 80s here. movie poster. But it's not <laughs> bad. If I was any one of those players, I'd have that on my wall. <laughs> this gets Whoa. us into the recruiting segment here. And Calabrasco, I saw this out there on, on uh, Twitter a couple days ago. And then you see the new one here, and it's the triplets from Bellevue West, uh, Hall, uh, Kalen, and McMorris. And – you know, so Bellabrasca, what it is, it's part of a of an in-state recruiting surge that we have going on. It's also part <laughs> of an amazing month of June commitments here. Yeah. And it, it kind of culminated today with Carter Nelson uh, picking us, 
picked us over Alabama, over Georgia, over you know the who's who of yeah. of college football. He Serious offers from those those programs too, not just. Yeah, yeah, they weren't they fake were ones. offers. The coaches went to the schools. Can, can I just say something real quick? Hockey, you did such a good job on this graphic. Like, my lord, if you're not watching us on YouTube, or if you're just, you know, if you're just listening to the podcast at any point, go back and check out YouTube. Go to this point in the show and look at this graphic that Honky put up because this didn't just take him like a couple minutes to do this. This was like some work to put in, man. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of a it's a collage. Mm. I've done a little collage work myself. And, uh, <laughs> but, but this is in June. We had, I think it was 13 commits that have, have happened this, this month, but that's just for the, the next year. Uh, there have been some other commits to walk-ons that are going to be part of this next season. Um, and what's really interesting is the reliance on having guys come into camp yeah. and seeing them. <clears throat> that's a so Dave, I'll, I'll send this over to you here. We've seen, this is definitely this is part of me being drunk on Kool Aid too. Is I love the idea of evaluating players through camps and everything, not just based off of star systems. You know my thoughts on those over the years. I'm not a star guy. Neither is Coach Rule. I mean, they'll they'll offer a guy that has no offers. But you look through this list here. And we've got guys. Um, the kicker, Sam Cook's son, was here at a kicking camp. We we uh, gave a a walk on preferred walk on to a JUCO and a transfer that went to the JUCO transfer camp. Let's we've hear had, for JUCO. We've okay. had linemen come to lineman camps. So when you look at this list here, just as a whole, Dave, I mean, what are your thoughts on what we're getting done with here in June? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I think we could talk about this for a long time, to be honest with you, because we've been talking about recruiting on this show since day one, really. And I mean, you've, you've had this fundamentally difficult question of like, what does a star mean? Right. What does and a star mean? Right. And, and I think, this actually illustrates what a star should mean. And then that's actually, it's, it's one it, it, from the recruiting services. It's their opinion on, on the value of, of how good a player is. But the reality is, is that every coaching staff should be doing their own evaluations. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of coaching staffs, uh, even though they get paid $5 million a year, and this is not just talking about Nebraska coaching staffs, other coaching staffs are, are really maybe too lazy about this. And, and you need to trust your own eyes. And the thing is, you need to actually see these players and all this type of stuff. I think it's it's really interesting in the sense that – so we've got, what, 14 commitments in June? Is that right? I think – yeah, it was either 13 or 14. I think it's Someone 10, following along – I think it's 14 answer. today. Okay. I think it was 14 okay. today. And, like, I mean, maybe seven of them are, to your point, Honk, not highly recruited guys. These are mm-hmm. our three-star guys that maybe just got that – third star because they got an offer from Nebraska um, have some other, um, you know, middle tier type offers uh, or, or, you know, like the legacy, like Quinn Clark is number one recruit out of Montana, but he doesn't have like a bunch of power five offers, obviously. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think it's interesting in, in the sense of like this evaluation of like, okay, so you've, you, you get your big board at the beginning of the recruiting process for a year and, and you go after your, your most sought after talent and you start establishing relationships via text and emails and you go visit the kid in the school and all this type of stuff. And then you hope that they come and visit. The key is to get, get them to Nebraska. Right. And they have a bunch of maybe other offers and, and, and sometimes you get some of those and sometimes you don't. Right. Um, in this instance, and then we're saying that Matt rule and his staff hasn't, haven't done that. They, they've had a big board for six months, but some of these guys they essentially saw at a at a satellite camp 
maybe in early June, mm -hmm. right? Is that about how that works time-wise? Yeah. I can't, mm -hmm. can't recall. Yeah, some of the Texas um, kids. Yeah. Liked what they saw, uh, mm -hmm. invited them to come and do an official visit at, at Nebraska. They established a relationship at that point. They haven't even really and uh, you know had that. And then they're on campus. They, they have an official offer either before or after that happens, and they commit shortly thereafter. I mean, it's like, bam, right? And I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out just in the sense of I think that, you know, if if Matt Rule and his staff's eye for talent, uh, and I think he actually has a pretty good reputation for this already, considering mm -hmm. some of the um, hits he had at Temple and Baylor, um, recruiting under the radar guys, if they these guys have good senior years at Texas, um, and they know that Matt Rule offered them, um, that they're going to get some additional attention, right? We're going to have to continue to recruit mm -hmm. some of these guys, even though they were under-recruited now, by the time they sign in December, I mean, you might mm -hmm. see one of these guys elevate in the rankings, right? Um, yeah. That's what I hope anyway. Yeah, um, especially after it, their I, high school season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and if they're not, then that that's also an interesting discussion point. Right. But I mean, I think it's really interesting to, to that if, if they believe in their evaluation process, believe the eye test, they also do lots of metrics. So they combine all of that. And they get guys on campus, and and it, it speaks to how well Rule and his entire staff can communicate their their vision and mission, and and get people to buy in very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. Because if that's not happening, these guys wouldn't be committing so fastly, right? And they're like, hey, th th they believe in me before anyone else does at this level, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to that. So it'll be interesting to see how many of these guys hang around. I hope it's a high percentage, and ultimately, if you know. You know, six or seven of these guys, from a recruiting perspective, seems like a reach. Um, if we, if three of them end up being significant contributors, that's a better, better ratio than we've been doing under the previous regimes by a long shot. It feels <laughs> yeah, like. For sure. And and honestly, I mean, think about like you know, we got all excited when like uh, with uh, Travis Fisher goes down and gets like four guys from Florida on the last day of recruiting process, and we're like, who are these guys, right? Yeah. And they all left, right? And so, they, I mean, they don't, this is and way they, better than that scenario. Yeah, and they they don't know who you're, anyone in your class is. They don't have those relationships built up. I mean, yeah, to go back to this graphic, these were big four-star kids, every one of them. And, you know, I don't really want to talk about what their stats were at Nebraska, those three Calabrasca guys. They didn't do anything here, right? And so they were, they were big-time recruits at the moment, and uh, it felt like you were getting something out of it. But what the three things that I really took away from this month were – Number one, the identifying players that came in here. We had guys that were no stars when they got offered. They are three stars now. That's that's the <coughs> Nebraska bump, the yeah. rule bump. And if we go out and win titles at some point, they'll bump up to four stars and five stars. Just that you'll get the Alabama and Georgia bumps then. But but for right now, they're offering a kid that hasn't really even been evaluated, obviously, by recruiting services because they were zero stars yeah. and now they're three stars. And you know those recruiting services don't know anything more about them other than they came to a camp and rule offered. I think of some of the past ones that we've done. Friday Night Lights is an example where this goes back to what you said, Mac. We've brought in kids from all across the country and had big time recruits all across the country come to Nebraska for years now. And they don't walk, we don't walk away with anything from yeah, it. No. Hey, 10 dudes came in here, zero signs. Right. You know, so the fact that this June has these kinds of results based off of the kids came in here and the kids signed, that's something. And the last thing, and this is the really important one to me, is what Carter talked about today, what, what really did it for him. I think he was going to come here probably anyways, but he goes to breakfast on Saturday morning in, in the Haymarket with his future teammates. And he's all he talked about was how serious 
these other guys were. Like it wasn't, uh, you know, like if this doesn't work out, we'll leave in a couple years. Like these guys yeah. are serious, but let's make this work here. This is good. We're going to be successful at yeah. Nebraska. We're going to be serious about playing football. And he bought into those guys and that vision. And that gets to be these guys that like, that's the culture starting to get created. I'll be extremely disappointed if in two years we have a Calabrasca kind of feel with this, well, with this group. I mean, these guys, if, if every, the Kool-Aid I'm drinking is that these guys are serious to play football. They're making those relationships right now and they're committed here. Well, you, you mitigate that a lot by not going thousands of miles away to get those guys too. Yep. You know, if they, if they're homegrown boys, they're more likely to stay and join in. One other thing I want to bring up with the camps too, is I think it shows not just in state players, but, but just within that 500 mile radius, you need to get to Nebraska camps. If you want to be evaluated by the staff, you need to get there. And if you show out there, they're going to see you. And it's an important part of their evaluation process as these camps. It's not just getting these high-ranked players to see the campus and what it looks like and what they can do for them. There's some of that for sure. But but I think there's a God's honest evaluation of players going on. Because these guys recruit, I mean, maybe with the exception of a few positions, it's like it's your, it's your metrics, your height, your weight, yeah. your attitude, your speed. Your track times are huge to these guys. Oh like, what's, what's your what's your track time look like? Carter Nelson goes from being a eight man football player a year ago that you right. know isn't going to be on anybody's national radar, and he jumps what high jump seven foot, and that was it. He told he was talking to I think it was Sip and Callahan. He was talking to Nick Saban, and Nick Saban said that was his film is the first eight man film he's ever watched on a player. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy, like for a kid in middle of Nebraska to get in front of Nick Saban like that. I mean, speaks volumes to the kid. Speaks volumes that we got him, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's really doing this based on hope. He's there's nothing on the field to prove what we're doing here yet. I mean, sure. it's just it's just reputation and and a lot of good and pretty words strung together. You, you know, in essence, another way to say that is some of those players might be a little bit of drink in the Kool Aid. There is nothing to show them yet. They haven't seen it yet on the field. And Coach Rules talked about this, that he wants players that that can see that vision and get into this now, commit now. If we say drink too late, to, it looks like Rob drinks every time. But not have to wait. Yeah, is that what he's doing? But, not have, <laughs> but he's not just looking for players that have to wait a year or two to buy into this. Because you may you may miss your shot if you just sit there and wait. No, he, yeah. he wants guys yeah. that, that can, can buy into this vision now, be committed now. And let's get into what that in-state looks like here. This is the the same graphic. I love updating this on a routine basis, and and I've had to I've had to update some of these graphics three or four times in the last week because they it's a very busy staff. We, we keep adding new things, but um, in-state recruiting for 2024, the left column we have six in-state kids committed. Now, according to most of the recruiting services, we have the top four rated players for okay. the people that are really big into rankings. We got the top four in the state okay. with uh, uh, Carter Nelson and the three Bellevue West guys. Uh, uncommitted, the two Calebs, Caleb Benning, who sounds like he's not going to make a decision yet until sometime into the football season. Don't know anything about where that is. And then tomorrow at 10 a.m., Caleb Pyfram, offense tackle from Omaha Central. Uh, everything I've heard, it's down to us in Minnesota and Illinois. I've heard some rumblings that uh, he's looking at Illinois out of that. We'll find out tomorrow. And then committed elsewhere, there were three players that uh, had Nebraska offers, were yeah. committed elsewhere to P5 schools. Uh, Michael Burt and Eric Ingwersen, those are two tight ends from Creighton Prep and Papillion La Vista. 
Uh, Bert went to Iowa. Ingerson went to Pitt. And then Teddy Rezac from Omaha Westside went to Notre Dame. I should note that the top player in the state that just committed today, uh, Carter Nelson, is a tight end. He's the second tight end in this class. Mm. So the likelihood of us going after a third. I don't think we're going to get every tight end out of Nebraska no, every I year. I just The, the way I don't they produce tight ends, it's and, not realistic. And it definitely yeah. softened the blow of losing those other two. For sure. Yeah, we need and, to get and, the best one or two, but and, I don't think we're getting them all. And Dave, I'm going to go back to you with this here. I've always been big on in-state recruiting. I've also been big on the Metro. And I remember when we first started the show back in like 2017, that was where we were in a real lull of going after actual Metro kids. We had gone almost like a decade, maybe only brought in one or two guys and we'd lost a yeah. number of other dudes, Noah Fans and Harrison Phillips and so on. I look at this and, and every year is going to be different. Last year we had several Lincoln kids that we were going after, but right now we have one kid from Ainsworth, who's the top kid in the state mm-hmm. that we got today. Everyone else is Metro. Yeah, I mean, th- this is 10 P5 offers to Omaha Metro, and I don't see that going away anytime soon. I'd like it if Caleb Benning would just go ahead and commit. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I don't know if you're watching, Caleb, but go ahead and do it. It's fine. We'll, we'll do a, re- a reaction show and everything. But Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. Same I mean, with that Clark, man. I didn't even know Ken Clark had a son that – Oh, the the wide receiver yeah. from Minnesota. Yeah, so we got a legacy there too. Montana, I believe. Montana, Bozeman, yep. yeah, yep. I think it's from. Yeah. Six five again, checking boxes: height, length. I, I heard he's quite quick. It's just a. It's interesting now. Now, it needs to be said too. I remember when Frost got here, and we we got a whole bunch of really fast wide receivers, short guys, but they were fast, so it didn't matter because they were so fast. You know, <laughs> and we kind of <laughs> got we were all in on them fast guys too. And then we got a, like a McGriff, who's a really tall guy. And he, you know, yeah. It, it, I'm happy to do it. You know, that's just kind of how my heart works on, on Husker football. I'd like to get excited about this, but I, <clears throat> it's not that I don't have the blinders off or on i mean i'm aware of my blind spots i know where i can be hurt but it's just more fun to talk about it this way the things have changed and i will say the speed at which these guys are committing after a hard push by the staff seems different that seems different to me you know we're not really long playing or waiting out a lot of these guys even carter nelson maybe that took a little while but i still feel like it could have went a lot longer before he made a choice and he's already in so that helps you know when when kaylin when we finally pivoted and went to him he was cool about it, you know. He and he's quick. He was quick. He's like, "Up, oh, sorry, Mizzou, staying home." And like that, there was a nice, quick transition, which made a lot of these other moves, I think, possible. So I, he I, gets a lot of credit from me. I do think that that's part of that's being the pro here, the professional, in how you're recruiting players. There's a there's a big knock, you know, a year ago on Frost with how they had recruited uh, uh, Rayola and whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't want to get back into that, but when you think about how how Coach Rule and staff recruited Rayola and Kalen simultaneously, right. which was it's a 1A and a 1B. And, and, you know, but they're not burning bridges with Kalen as yeah. they're clearly communicating with Kalen and not burning bridges with him along the way while they were trying to continue to recruit Rayola. I've heard a lot of people, some fans getting frustrated that, you know, we're, we've been offering zero-star kids and how is this staff going to recruit against the big boys? Even when I show them, hey, we just – beat Alabama and Georgia out for Carter Nelson or or the running back that we just brought in uh, uh, from Texas, beat those schools out. It doesn't matter. The, the, those guys don't want to hear that. They just, how is he going to do against the big boys? Well, look at how he did with Rayola. I mean, he he punched with Rayola up until the last second against the top schools. And no, we didn't get him necessarily this time around, but he can always be there again. And I think it's how you, you kind of set a standard for how you recruit players, how you interact with them, not burning bridges along the way. And 
And I think Rule's done a really good job of that. The, the recruiting of Raiola was a net positive, regardless if we got him. I, I, I will continue to believe that. I think he, he pointed a spotlight on the program for a while and got other guys interested. I, and we still got we still got a great quarterback out of it. So I, I just to me it's whatever with Raiola. He didn't come here. It was it was it was a good recruitment, and uh, I think he laid groundwork for in the world we live in now. The transfer you're only one phone call away from coming to a different school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and if you want to, if you want to look at it too, I mean, because everybody wants to pay attention to like, you know, where are we in the rankings as far as you know, Big Ten schools or nationally, and that Nebraska is now for according to On Three's rankings, which I think they do theirs a little bit differently than than the other sites. Obviously, they all have their own systems. But we're now twentieth in the country um, as far as nationally as uh, for the twenty twenty four class uh, for On Three, but. For 24-7, we are, like, I believe we've moved up to, like, number 14 overall. Or number – oh, that might not be right 100%. I got to look here to, to, to make sure I'm right on that. But more importantly, we're fifth in the Big Ten, um, although the schools that they have in the Big Ten for 2024 ahead of us are Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and USC – is number four. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so and, I, I, it's a little bit. It, and there could be some bumps, you know, I think Kalen goes to, to elite 11 finishes in the, the elite 11. He's still yeah, a three star. Yeah. He could easily he should go be to a four. four star. I mean, I'm not going to get in the big chomping match, but you're, if yeah. you're in the, the 11 of the elite 11, the quarterback, you're a four star. That's stupid. Yeah. If, yeah. if your ratings mean anything, stop being dumb. That's a four. <laughs> yeah, and, on, and on three has the same thing. We're fifth in, in the big 10 now for on three, but uh, behind Ohio yeah, state. It's a long, long ways to go, obviously yeah. on that. And there can be a lot of, a lot of changes there, but I mean, it, it's a good position. And I, uh, yeah. I think, you know, I think that by having most of the class filled out this early, um, it does give them the ability to be maybe a little more choosy down the road here and getting guys. They really want um, to round out the class. Right. And so I, I don't think they need to, to stretch for anybody at this point. And I, I think they're going to put together a top 20 class. Yeah. And it gives them a little extra time to start looking at like guys who might be looking at transferring, you know what I mean? Cause obviously people like that too. So it, it gives you a really good idea as this class gets closer to actually like being on campus next year, possibly some of them in the spring, you know, very, very at the end of, you know, definitely like at the, by the end of May. So it's like, yeah, I mean it's it's exciting stuff. It feels way more exciting than it has since you know you guys started doing the show twenty five years ago. You know what I mean? What's the funny thing with these? Wait a with these, second. <laughs> with these initial recruiting classes, though, it, it, or with all the recruiting, we, if anyone's recruiting with any kind of level, we're always in about a top twenty spot. I mean, we're yeah. always about fourth mm-hmm. or fifth, and so really, still, it's it's like it's nothing's too. changed, and it and it's whatever. It, but that yeah. just tells you how good Nebraska is on a program on itself, even losing all of these years in a row, yeah. we can still generate enough interest that we're still a top 20 ish recruiting team. Now let's, let's what? just for kicks, go to a couple bowl games and win them, put yeah. a couple winning seasons together and see if we can raise that up a little bit. But Nebraska in itself is still recruiting to that level. Matt rule, you know, if his evaluation is, is what it, it's purported to be, then by next season, we'll already see some of the fruits of that. And then just like Rivals does anytime Alabama recruits somebody, they get a star bump because they should, because Alabama, I'm sure, is very good at valuing talent. Uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. That, my, that effect could still play a role here. My Kool Aid 
that I've been drinking is based off that evaluation. It's based off the development too. We've been a top 20, 25 recruiting yeah, this is all the same. school. Let's be a top 20 development program. If we do those yes. two things, we'll be pretty good. Dave, you, before you lived out in uh, Colorado, you live in Texas. And as much as we've had success in state with six kids, uh, six Nebraska kids so far as part of this, we've also had six Texas kids be part of this uh, class as well so far. That was a clear early strategy by Coach Rule, uh, who obviously was down there at Baylor before, but he also built a staff that had a lot of Texas connections. This was a Zach Barnett tweet from the other day, and he goes, I received my Dave Campbell's Texas football copy today, open to a full-page ad purchased by Coach Rule in Nebraska oh, football. Nice. Smart, but not surprising. <laughs> and the the photo, uh, for those that, that aren't seeing this, it's Coach Rule with some very – um, recognizable faces down there in Texas that are part of our program now. Garrett McGuire, Bob Wager, of course, Susan Elsa, uh, a couple others as well. So, you know, this is uh, – Dave, you live down there. I don't know how familiar you you were with Dave Campbell's Texas football. Maybe you are. But um, we know we've had Cody Glenn – or yeah, we've had Cody Glenn on the show. He coaches down there. He's from Texas. We've had – you know, we know how important that is. What does this tell you from a strategy standpoint that that's what uh, Coach Rowe and them are doing, getting right down there – you know, right in, right in their faces, going down to, to, to yeah. satellite camps and getting their kids. Yeah, I mean, it's strategic and intentional. There's no doubt about it, right? I mean, I, I do remember, you know, going to pick up my, you know, college football magazine and seeing high school football magazines next to it. And like, what the heck is this, right? You know, but I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. It's, it's, it's a business there, right? You know, and when you have uh, stadiums of 15 to 20,000 um, with skyboxes, um, it, it kind of starts to make sense, right? And so, I mean, I, I think it's it's a it's a good move, something they could do every year, right? I mean, I'm sure the, the cost of this isn't that great, and it, it definitely makes our intentions known that we're going to recruit the state heavily, and I think that was, uh, you know, apparent with the staff he's hired, but um, it, it's coming to fruition as well. So, it, it, yeah, I think it's cool. Outstanding. Well, I think that gets us through some of the recruiting piece, and this takes us to the second part of the show, and that is mailbag. We we asked, and of course, you you uh, redcasters, you always you always come to the answer there. Uh, so we're going to go through some questions that we had both through Twitter and through Facebook, um, and this will kind of be the the second segment. So kind of two halves of one show. Sure, and that's yeah. how we do it, right? Let's start with Twitter here, and <laughs> a couple of these are statements. A couple of them are, are questions. Uh, Big Red Jim, the O line. The answer is always the O line. I think that that's certainly something that we're seeing with this yep. staff here. They have three interior linemen so far as part of this recruiting class. They've gone out and uh, uh, brought in the the Utah transfer here late yeah. just to build depth. Yep. They bring in Ben Scott uh, from Arizona State. How many, like 30, 40 starts that he's had or 28 starts, I think, yep. that he's had over there, been all conference, uh, and he's pretty much our center. So, Mac, the, the it all starts with the O-line. It starts in the trenches, right? <clears throat> yeah, 100%. It does. And I think uh, – I, this is where rules got me more than I than I than is strictly logical. He's got me thinking this O line could be decent this year, and, <laughs> I, and I'm serious. But a lot of it is typically what you want in a, an offensive line is guys who have been around, had a lot of starts, big and strong. Well, that's kind of what we have, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we could if we could groom these guys into a cohesive unit, it's not a stretch to think we have a pretty good O line. I, Nuri being back is humongous. Ben Scott coming on is humongous. That changes a that changes the line a lot, in in my opinion. And if you have a if you have a running game that's not totally predictable and a quarterback that can be moved around in the pocket, I think we're we do them a lot of favors. So we'll see. I mean, the running back room looks good. So 
that helps the O-line too. I, it all starts with the O-line. Rules got me thinking, yes, but uh, but I also know that's just me being optimistic. <laughs> well, I mean, rules rules sold out on on this line. I mean, he is he is he's said great things about Ben Hart and NFL kind of you know future yeah. with the guy. He hell of a thing to be wrong about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, to some extent, look, the the realists and any of us are we love all the things we've seen. Hey, it needs to produce wins if we go out and go four and eight this year. That's a problem just with a different strategy, right? I mean, at some point mm-hmm. you're doing the right things. This is the thing I've said so many times, you do the right things long enough, good things are going to happen. Apparently we weren't doing the right things then in the past. Well, I mean, the, if we're doing the right things right now, I'll stick to that old saying, good things should start to happen. Starts on the lines. Um, Dave, I'll go to you with this one. This is just in general, this is going to be a coordinator's question. This is from Stephen Costello and, and Stephen uh, has been a loyal follower. He goes, with all the recruiting talk, especially the low and non-rated players, I'd like to see rules tracker record on development can add in both coordinators' histories as well. Thanks in advance. I don't know how much history you want to get into on this, but between Tony White and what the, what he's done at, at Syracuse with the three three five, between Satterfield and his history with with Rule, and obviously Satterfield now has two years of experience at South Carolina, the SEC. You know, what what are your thoughts on the coordinators as part of that development, developing the scheme, developing the players? Oh boy, that's that's quite the question there. I mean, I, I I don't know enough about either one of them, to be honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I probably have my own questions on Satterfield more than anything, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Spencer Rattler had two good games last year, but it took him a while, and you know, the South Carolina fan base weren't wasn't crazy about that offense. So, um, you know, I mean, hopefully the returns are quicker here. And obviously he has rules trust. So at this point you have to go with that. Right. But I, I, I don't know about, about, about Satterfield. I think Tony White seems to, to have, have a, a lot of good traits there that um, should, should produce on the development front. But I, I, I don't know that much. I think you know, if you look at rule, I mean, it, I, and I'm answering this question really poorly guys. So help me out. But the, no, the one yeah, guy that always, <laughs> always uh, stands out, I think is the, one of the Baylor recruits that was a lower non-rated player. He was a defensive lineman, ended up being all big 12 player of the year and uh, a high draft pick. I forget his name, but he's kind of a poster child of, of rule being able to I, I evaluate, identify talent that no one else does. And then developing that into a, uh, an NFL player. Right. And, and so I think that's what you're looking for is if, if again, your hit rate on these, I mean, considering the, how low the hit rate, I mean, and there's been articles written about this all over the board about how poor we have been able to develop players and turn four stars in, into, you know, undrafted free agents, essentially. Um, we need to be able to take three stars and develop it into, mm-hmm. into NFL draft picks and rules done that at Baylor. And if he takes, just a few of these guys that are seem to be under the radar and they end up being starters for us, that that's going to be worth it. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't mean he has to hit on every single one of them. Right. What about this, Dave? What about as far as under the radar, he can be guys on our, on our team right now. Like, is, could you pick a guy on offense or defense that you thought, man, I just don't understand why we don't hear about this guy. He was highly recruited. Or even, you know, like, is there a guy that if, if all of a sudden we started seeing him play after a couple of years of sitting or not doing very much, would that be a good enough indicator to you? Because, I mean, with the true freshmen, especially the the 
the low star rankings, probably they're a little more developmental anyway. You got to get them size up, strength up, stuff like that. But there's guys on the team that have been in the program now that just aren't boomer. What's up? That just Mm -hmm. haven't produced yet. But like, I guess. Sure. I mean, like, I mean, I think you can look at the O line and look at Ben Hart and say, like, I mean, this guy should have NFL potential, and and we've yet to see it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. if we want to focus on Satterfield, I mean, be honest with you, one of the questions that I've had, if I was in sending you guys questions, is the Jeff Sims thing, right? Because, and 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 can Satterfield actually develop Jeff Sims, right? Because. Mm he look, he's a specimen out there. Um, I, I don't remember how well he played in, in, in the spring game, but apparently it was good enough to get people excited. But if you look at what Jeff Sims did at Georgia Tech, the guy won eight games. He never started all, all you know, every game of any season. He um, is a 57% career passer. Uh, it, and, and you could say that, well, the Georgia Tech coach was, was, wasn't any good. Well, that guy was Jeff Collins, the Matt Rule disciple, who easily could have been our offensive coordinator. I mean, if it right. was like it was between Satterfield and him, it felt like right. So like mm-hmm. like Satterfield has to prove to me that he's going to do something different with Jeff Sims than Jeff Collins was able to do in three years. And because I mean, his the stats don't don't lie. He's he's eight of eight of sixteen uh, as a starter, and and he comes up. On nobody's list yeah. when they talk about top quarterback no, I, transfers, I, he's I, never yeah. brought up. On Twitter, we we interacted with I think it was College Football Focus was the one they did a top ten quarterback transfers of the off season, and Sims wasn't on the top ten. And the list that they had was a good list, and I even responded to him. I go, "This is a good list. I think that um, that Sims is somebody to keep an eye on." He goes, "I was I was close with Sims, but passing wise, I mean, his stats are just n- nowhere near." what would make it a top 10 transfer. And for me, you know how my thoughts are on quarterbacks um, that there's so many different ways you can rate a quarterback. And and this is my history with us being a, an option, you know, team. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Tommy Frazier is the quarterback of the century and doesn't even have a 50% completion career percentage, you know? And, and what's interesting is I don't disagree 1% with him at all about um, maybe that Sims isn't a top 10 QB transfer. If you're talking about passing, you're talking about passing percentage i don't but he might be the number one qb transfer if you're talking about run game out of the qb so back to your point there about satterfield and and tying it back to the quarter to the coordinator i don't know what that connection is between how do you take the strengths the things i really like about sims the running part of it the the legs aspect and how do you tie that in with what satterfield can do with him you know from a pocket standpoint rules talked about him being a pro quarterback um he certainly yeah. doesn't have the 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 stats to date to Dave's point to show that he's not going pro with what he's done in the past. Yep. How do you get how do you get what he's go- doing going forward to to get him there? Well, I mean, they're kind of hanging their own reputation on that. They're they're the ones setting the bar for for Sims. No one mm-hmm. else is saying that. Yeah, yep. Uh, he's got almost kind of like he's like the Adrian. Uh, Martinez of Georgia Tech coming to a different school, you know, like he, he was probably had a lot of potential, showed a lot of flash, but his numbers weren't that great when you add him up and there were the wins. Maybe, maybe he mm-hmm. flourishes here under a different system, and he's sort of, he does have the physical tools though. Oh. You watch him; he it takes him no effort to get the ball down the field forty yards, and like, like if we would have had him last year throwing bombs. To, uh, oh my gosh, I cannot think of his name right now. Who's who's our wide receiver <laughs> last Palmer? year? Oh, Palmer. Palmer. If we had had him throwing bombs to Palmer, you know, he actually had to run under up to get mm-hmm. him. He would have had 
1,500 yards uh, receiving easily and about 10 more touchdowns <laughs> because nobody could run with his stuff. I mean, he's yeah. the best there is. Let's <laughs> go so to the next question here. This, Rob, you're our Kool-Aid guy. You're our oh, hype yeah. guy. So <laughs> Ken, Kendall here, he goes, recruiting hyper truth, question mark. Whoa. <laughs> oh, recruiting hyper truth. Recruiting hyper truth. So right now, you know, we, we just Kool-Aid. I don't really understand it. I don't really understand that question. Well, we just we just spent twenty minutes talking or twenty five minutes talking about the the recruiting class up to this point. Is it yeah. hype? Is it is it truth? You know, is it truth about the you know getting these guys in and 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 evaluating them and that's what's going to be the difference? I mean, what are your thoughts? Why not both? I mean, you know, if if it's going to be if it's the the truth is yet to be revealed really about the class, but we're getting the guys that we want. Most of them, right. They're getting the guys that they want, which gives the perception that they have a plan that they know exactly what it is. They want this team to look like, not just this year, but moving forward and developing beyond this year, you know, they're already looking at guys for 25. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of like hype. There's a lot of Kool-Aid going into that because it, God, man, I, I, I didn't want to go there, but it does feel like there is an adult in the room, you know, or a group of adults in the room, even our like, you know, 14 year old wide receiver coach. You know I mean? It's like, it's still, it's still nice seeing him getting the guys locally. Cause you know, he's involved with those local Nebraska kids that are wide receivers. Sure. Right? I mean, all, all of the and, those Bellevue and so, West guys. Yeah. And they all like him. And, and it's like, obviously, okay. So there's the question when it came to recruiting that everyone was worried about now, can he coach them up and develop them? You know what? That's all to be seen. And, and there's a lot to look forward to. It feels like. And so that's where for me, it, that is the truth because it's giving us something to look forward to. We're going to, we're probably going to see, you know, what everything, it's just hard. I mean, it's almost like well, we forget that there's an actual team already built right now for this season. Right. Because we keep mm-hmm. talking about the 2024 <laughs> class, you know? So it's like, and there's a whole class, but, but, I'll say- work, but I love that because it's like a quietness that, that, that it's kind of going there and it could, you know, I'd love to just see it erupt. I think so. you said one thing though that really stuck. It's there's a he plan. Just, just one though. Well, it was very, it was very improvement. For I, I left to go get a drink. I'm sorry. Yeah. Very, very early in that answer, but no, no, but he said, he said something, you go, there's a plan. And I think that that's part of, to your point about this being mm-hmm. a, that, you know, the grown up and everything, there's a plan. And from day one, they said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to focus on Texas. And when you see the stats right now, when, when Gradney and Pyle and Flint and Buford and probe and Lacey, when you see six guys already being a part of this, They've gone down and and executed that plan by hitting satellite camps by down there by being in that Dave Campbell's magazine. I mean, there's a plan and they're they're playing towards it. So that to me is the truth. It's not hype. It's truth. They said we have a strategy. This is what we want to do, and uh, and they're doing it. Uh, this is a good question. I think that can go around the table for all of us. You can pick one or two. Um, Husker nut. And I know because I also had uh, Tony, your cousin, sent me something similar. Uh, how would you rank it? Or your nephew. What did I say? Cousin? Cousin. No, oh, whatever. How would you rank as the top five to ten most important players going into next season? Uh, so I guess with four of us here, pick two or three of them. Okay. Maybe we'll kind of go around. Um, and uh, and I'll start. I'll okay. start just so everyone has a chance to kind of think here. I'll I'll do the obvious one, just knock them out. you got to say uh, Jeff Sims at quarterback is going to be crucial with this. I also think that the center that's going to be in front of him 
you know, we don't need any year one mishaps, balls going all over the place. The, the center can dictate so much of the blocking schemes that you're going to do. Um, you get under center, you're getting into shotgun. We're going to be doing different things. So Ben Scott, um, those two. And then the other guy, and he's a transfer, uh, MJ Sherman. I just, mm. what I saw out of him in spring and just the physical nature that he brings. I sure. mean, this is a, this is a, a different style of athlete. Yep. I think at that linebacker spot than we've had in a while, those would be probably my two, three guys that, that I think are going to be really important players going into next year. Fun to and watch, every too. one of them is a transfer. Not a single yeah. one of them were on the team last year. So uh, I'll go to my man to the left here, Mac. All right. Um, so my first one on uh, is going to be Ben Hart. I think um, how he plays is going to be pivotal because he's going to play. I, I mean, he's just he's going to play. He's if he can hold down his side, then we are going to have a really good year. I mean, I, I really, really feel that way. I feel like the other guys are closer, or not maybe closer, but I just Ben Hart needs to to improve. He needs to have a. I guess I'm going important. Not necessarily True. best. I feel like that's important. Important. Um, and then the other one would be um, one of those running backs. I, I can't say which uh, one. All running backs. A running Somebody's... back has to be like I. I know we got a committee guy, but I want I want just one guy. Do you like want a bell cow? I do want a bell cow. <laughs> I want a twenty carry guy. I mean, if we're gonna be if we're gonna be this, you know, huddle I formation sometimes team running backs do. I don't think running backs are, have been done a service since the spread has come along. They, they, they never get into rhythm. You know, they're, they're constantly being moved and flanked out and everything. And really the best running happens when you get a, you know, up to your 10th, 11th carry and you start feeling everything and the, and the game's speed's caught up. And I miss that a lot from college football. Man, I was watching – long answer. I was watching these uh, highlights from the 90s like Kijana Carter – and uh, Tim Biaka Batuka, oh. and watching these runs, I'm like, "Yeah, damn, these guys were good running backs." But you know, it wasn't until later in the game when they could slide off some tackles, and they just the, I, I just missed that type of running game. And I think uh, if if we're being told right, this this offense is going to need somebody like that. I think I think Grant could do it. I think maybe Gabe Irving can do it. His picture today. We gotta did, we'll circle did, back to that. I got yeah. uh, Dave. How about you? <laughs> Great uh, boy! I, I was hoping you'd go to someone else. I, I'll, I'll, well, the longer you, point, the longer you wait, the more of the names are taken. So I yeah, I'll, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to Jeff Sims, even though I've expressed my my lack of understanding on on the on the enthusiasm based off the numbers. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Rule and his staff obviously believe Jeff Sims is their guy, and and we did have a large quarterback room that now has been cut in half and uh, I, I'd be optimistic that that we have capable backups but none of them are proven and so with Sims going down at any point um, or not performing to the level that they expect him to perform would would really bring down our win total so Sims I think is critical mm-hmm. does it matter to you too Dave about how much they've kind of hyped him that if he doesn't perform well, does that concern you with their evaluation? Maybe, I mean, maybe not long-term, or at least short-term. I mean, like, I, I guess I get really frustrated. This, it, it's, this does seem the exact same scenario that Frost, where he put all of his eggs in the Adrian Martinez right. basket. And, like, that's our guy. And yep. I'm like, I get it. You, 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 you fall in love with guys' attributes and all type of stuff, and he looks the part. And you're like, let's just mm-hmm. get him out there right away, right? But I always felt like if they would have 
I mean, heck, they, they, there's no reason to, to run Adrian Martinez out there on day one. In spring ball, you could have kept Patrick O'Brien happy for guys. He would have been <laughs> serviceable enough to start yeah. for the first six games of the year. And they have Gebbia still there, too, and then made yeah. Martinez third, for goodness sakes. But no, we went all in with Adrian, and yeah. I, it, it wasn't the best decision. We're no, going I, all in with Jeff Sims again. I would, I, I would say this. I would but say this scenario, though, is so different, though, from the first year of Frost. With, I mean, Sims, comparing him and, and Martinez, you're comparing He's a guy that's experience. been playing, I'll give you playing that, multiple years of that. You also have two other guys on the team that have multiple years of experience in college football. Uh, with Purdy, he's made multiple starts at, at Florida State and Nebraska, but also Heinrich at least run can run a similar style of offense as what Sims runs. So there, you, you have two quarterbacks doing the same thing. I mean, Frost was so – it was beyond bizarre because it was literally you're going to – a true freshman and this Jebbia guy. And that's really – you'd already run off um, Patrick O'Brien by the time you said we don't need Burrow. And then you get into the season, one guy gets hurt. Oh, we didn't even bother trying to get a waiver for uh, uh, Vedral. So Vedral – massively mismanaged. Yeah, it just was massively mismanaged. I don't see that with this. But to your point, I mean, we weren't going to keep all six guys anyways – no. We we're going to lose a couple of them. I don't know what we could have done to keep Thompson with where he's going to be down at, at uh, Florida Atlantic or International, wherever it is with them. Um, I don't have with, any problem yeah, with, with how they with managed it. Herman, so. I don't have any problem with how they managed the room. I mean, especially in this day and age where you can't jump ship so quick. It's yeah. it's not that. But what, what, what rings kind of familiar is just the eggs in the basket kind of deal, like you were talking about. Dave. And, and then that's not, un, that's not untrue for, for a lot of programs. But I guess my thing is – for this coaching staff, if I were to give them a critique, you don't need to hype the quarterback at all for, for Nebraska. You true. should just leave that alone. We will hype for you, but yeah. don't hype him up first because now our expectations are set higher than I, they necessarily should I, be, I will and agree. that is totally on the coach. I will agree with that. What I, one of the things I liked about what we did with the quarterbacks, you've heard this before, I've always said, hey, take the green jerseys off. If you're having a competition, make it a true competition. I saw a true competition. So mm-hmm. for my and exactly what you just said there, too. You don't need to hype up Sims to me. I, I like what Sims brings to an offense. Mm-hmm. The fact that they've really kind of the the, the talent that's in that QB Every room. Every chance they get it to the praise ta- him, they praise but him. But the talent that's in that QB room matches an offense that isn't a pass heavy offense. It's a QB, or at least it's an offense where the QB's legs are going to be involved. I mean that's Seemingly. that's what he, that's what Heinberg is. Harburg well, is that's not what they're Harburg, recruiting to. Though. They're, they're recruiting more of that. They are recruit. They're recruiting the opposite. to a different thing. But for next season, yeah, next uh, year, year one, mobility at the QB is going to be a clear part of that offense. I, I can't under. I, I, it would not make sense to me if, if they didn't use the QB's legs next year um, with what they've done with that room. I mean, they could have. They wanted to sit in the pocket and throw it forty times. I'd have kept Thompson. You know, you would have had yeah. him already to do it. Uh, Rob, how about you? Well, I mean, you guys aren't even talking about defense yet, and that's kind I of. I said Sherman. Oh, oh, you yeah. did, oh, did you say Sherman? Way not to listen, Rob. I know. Right Rob, the passive you weren't here for my last one. Um, well, I was going to say Quentin Newsom. I'd like to see him have a huge year this year in the secondary. And why are you laughing so hard? Because Matt muted just a fart and it cracked me up. <laughs> oh, Sorry, no, no, you're. <laughs> there you go. And then, um, you know, it's hard to tell too the. Um, 
you know, the defensive line, there's going to be a lot of guys. I'd, li- I'd like to see Nash kind of have a real breakout year this year and just kind of bring it on. I think he's listed like yeah. second on the depth chart right now, but still it would be a really nice to see, you know, a lot of pressure from the defensive line to give like, you know, cause in white's offense, there's a lot of motion, but you know, that a lot of that is dependent on the guys up front kind of setting the line. Right. And like, get opening up some holes for the linebackers to break through. And we saw some of that in the spring game, but you know, how, how's it going to look against other big 10 opponents is, is my biggest question. Yeah. D line's a huge question. Yeah. It's huge. So, you know, I'd like to see Nash or I think what Ty Robinson, you know what I mean? He's a, you know, it'd be nice to see one of those two guys. And, you know, of course the rest of the defensive line, it seems like it's all like freshmen and transfers. So you know, it's really hard to, to know what yeah. any of those guys are going to yeah, do. Yeah, Elijah Judy, if, as far as, like, transfers go, he's he's going to be a, a big player in this. He uh, was one of the starters there in spring ball. Boomer, Prince welcome. You and Ellen and then Boomer. <laughs> Prince Will, yeah. Boomer, welcome to the show. And we we left this last one to you because, I mean, I know you're going to get into special teams anyways. Who would you rank as a couple of the most important players going next season? Well, I mean, I've literally been here the whole time you have, so that's all right. <laughs> but, uh, I... <laughs> Yeah, some of you, some of the obvious ones were named. You know, obviously Sims is critical, but uh, you know, think of some names that haven't been. Uh, another one would be another transfer, uh, wide receiver Billy Kemp. Yep, I think he adds a lot just in terms of experience in the wide receiver room. Which you know, I know we mentioned many shows ago when we were going through kind of the roster we had. There's kind of that huge gap in experience for wide receivers. So he's going to play a critical role there. And he's uh, a returner. He's going to be returning punts most likely. So that's going to be a big part of uh, special teams is just trying to establish an actual punt return game or something that's a minor threat would be would be nice to have. <laughs> Do you think, um, Boomer, we're going to have any threat on the special team side? Like, Would, would any portion of our special teams be considered a threat next year? Well, if we start getting five years to care return, that's a threat as far as that. <laughs> it's pretty low. So just anything positive is, a, is an improvement. So Touché. Yeah, Touché. whatever we can get there is fine. Uh, right. Just some other names that I think I really want to see something out of the, in terms of just importance. Uh, either, you know, Thomas Fedoni or Eric Gilbert. I just want to yep. see what they're going to do with tight ends. And that'll Good tell point. us a lot about, you know, they might be what their plans are for Nelson going forward. I think there's a lot to see there. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of want to see how Teddy Prohaska does this year. Just he's got that other another year in this, you know, same offensive line coach. And can he stay healthy an entire season? I think that'll tell us a lot, too, about, you know, their training, their regimen, what, what their plans are for everyone, how they're, you know, getting guys to work out and staying healthy. So just, just some names I threw out there. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's get to Facebook here, and then uh, we can go to the parting <laughs> shots. But these are the Facebook questions. Uh, Charlie says, "How much option fullback trap power eye formation should we expect to see?" And this maybe gets back to my earlier point about the quarterback: is that I could see us doing some some things this year that maybe we wouldn't be doing so much in year two and three and four if we tr- you know if we move closer to the Kalins and and even a Rayola at quarterback. That's a different style than yeah. than Sims, but you know. Option, I, I certainly could see some option with him at QB, or we saw option with, with Harburg uh, in the spring game running that. So, you know, I don't know. I can definitely see some option. Fullback trap, they showed some of that. Power eye formation. Now, if we're talking power eye being the actual, like, four-man backfield, full man, you know, maybe. I don't know. But, um, I, look, we know that they're going to get under center. We know there's going to be a fullback. We know there's going to be eye formation at the very least. So, um, 
What yeah. percentage? I'd say 25%. Ooh. Something like that, which, I mean, go back to the Osborne years. A lot of people still think, you know, like the fullback was on the field every play. He wasn't. Well. You know, when we, no. when we interviewed Osborne and we asked him about the offense, Osborne talked about how they used to run, you know. But sometimes there were they, two. They, yeah. <laughs> they'd run five wide receiver sets all the way to, you know, double tight. Right. Full no, house backfield. Absolutely. But the, the, the fullback was not on the field all the time. We had four wide receiver sets, trip sets, ace formations. So, you know, the fullback to me is a probably a short yardage goal line situation and very situational outside of that. I mean, maybe 25, 30% of the time. I, I'd have no problem with that number. I think that's a high number. Just Oh, oh do you think tw- when I said 25%, did you think that was higher than what it would be? I, I do. I, oh, okay. Well, I, I, I just, um, I thought you well, thought I was lowballing. No, no. I think, well, it's hard because some things are grouped together that I, I, we might see some power eye formation. I'm just talking I fullback just, on the field. I just don't know how much. Well, I guess the way it was worded, the fullback trap, the option, the power eye formation. I think we'll see some option. I think we'll see some. I don't know how many fullback traps I think we'll see. I don't know. 25%. We'll see. Yeah, so good, I, 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 no I, don't think, I don't think we're going to have 25% fullback traps or even option. I just 25% of the time we might have a fullback out there on the field. Okay. Fair, more okay. My, All right. More my point. Okay. Kurt asked the recent. Way to reframe it. <laughs> Kurt uh, asked the surge, uh, recent surge of commitments. We've kind of talked about that earlier in the recruiting part. Uh, the schedule, as far as what the summer looks like, up to fall camp. Fall camp will start here in, in early August, so we are just, my goodness, it's going to be July here in just a couple of days. So we're just about four or five weeks away from probably the start yeah. of that. Um, and then discussing why Iowa is our only protected rivalry. I thought that was kind of an interesting part, um, Dave. I'll go Dave, maybe Boomer. You guys kind of get into some of these things, I think. Sometimes the the protected rivalry, Iowa being our only one, Penn State didn't have any of them. So did you have a particular take? I'll start with you, Dave. Any particular take on on Iowa being our only protected rivalry? You know, I mean, it it, it was interesting. Um, You know, Iowa had three, I believe, right, which was the the most uh, you you would have. And I think, you know, I think I heard – Trev saying that, I mean, they were interested in Wisconsin and, and potentially Minnesota mm-hmm. and ultimately only Atlanta one. I think it gives us plenty of flexibility to, to have uh, the trips out to the West coast with the new schools. And I mean, with this, this flex scheduling, it does achieve uh, playing all these big 10 schools on a more regular basis, which I think is good. Um, so I mean I think I'm fine with it. I mean I I don't I don't I, it, it wasn't a big deal to me one way or the other, right? Well, Boomer, why Probably. why do you think Iowa was our only protected one then? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I mean I suppose I don't know the the ins and outs of what other schools are looking for in terms of protected rivalries, but uh, you know at some point if you're just protecting everybody's rivalries that they're asking for, you end up with the Big Ten West again. Because I know Wisconsin, I think they have protected rivalries with Minnesota and Iowa still, and Iowa's got three already. And at some point, you're just ending up with the same three or four teams playing each other all the time. And then, you know, you lose that flex scheduling, I think, that they're looking for. So I I think that's, you know, played a pretty big role in it, just trying trying to make the Big Ten as flexible as possible, but keeping a few key ones. You know, I, I think it is kind of a shame if we don't play Wisconsin and Minnesota with some regularity, but... You know, as we've seen with our schedule, I think we play Minnesota both the two years they have this projected schedule out. If I'm right, Wisconsin yeah, is one of those. 
And, you know, since they didn't bother going any further than that, I wouldn't be surprised if there's <laughs> more additions to the Big Ten, well, you know, by that I, time. So, I think you know, we I think we have Wisconsin yeah. both they years. They were to waste their breath on I, that schedule. I think yeah. we have Wisconsin both years, and I think it's Minnesota. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought it was Minnesota the first and not the second. But but to your point, and, and it was weird. What, no, actually, I think you're right. I think it was Wisconsin that falls off. Because, mm-hmm. because um, yeah. what was weird about it was – we've only been in this conference for 10 years and, and everything, but like, it was kind of weird to see Wisconsin not on the schedule. It was like, yeah. like, it, like, but then again, if we think back to legends and leaders, they, we didn't play them every year we, then either. We, so. we didn't play them at the beginning yeah. there either. And, and if, if it's truly flexible, if we can really be flexible, can we still get Oregon and Washington on the 2025 schedule? That's my question. Boomer, you know, I, I mean, if the PAC 12 dissolves after their media rights deal with, you know, the Peacock Network or something is announced. You know, I think it's Tubi. They'd be lucky. Maybe Tubi. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. So whatever the heck they're on, but... it's Freebie, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Rob, Freebo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they might be on the next Redcast. You know, <laughs> they might be streaming their games live here, people. So yeah. why not? Enjoy Rob? our breakdowns of Stanford. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's only certainly possible that we kids, might see yeah. that, and it, it wouldn't shock me in any way, shape, or form if they're just kind of treading water until they know what they want to do in 2025, 26. So. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But again, like I said, it I, you know I did like the regular matchups with Minnesota because it's an old arch nemesis of ours, and you know Wisconsin I thought was kind of fun, but you know they had their own protected rivalries too, and you know at least we are not Penn State that nobody apparently likes. So see, I would have liked to had Penn State. I don't know. I just feel like we're kind of kindred mm-hmm. spirits in this conference. Maybe I just don't know if they think about us much. I don't. Need, I don't either. I, it, so, I, you know, yeah. I, I like the uniforms. I, they're they're like the inverse of ours almost. Even though blue isn't, I'm not sure how an art. You're an art major, but it, like, it, but it's the, the same blue. You know, and I just I like the I like their whiteouts. I like their tradition. I like that they're blue blood. I wish we just I wish we play them with some regularity. And they were a crossover early on. Rob, you've been wanting to say something. Well, I, yeah, I'm just curious, and this is almost more of a question too. And since we're still talking about Penn State, that's exactly where I was going with it. Was does is that kind of an indication to anyone else that maybe they're going to be bringing in a school like Notre Dame, or maybe eventually like making USC the, you know, the the yearly matchup for you know Penn State? I know the first two schedules don't really indicate that, but like, do you think eventually to those two schools, if if the Notre Dame were to come over, but even USC become one of those protected rivals as as kind of you know those teams develop into the conference? I don't see that. Here's the thing. I see they I think they built really good solid rules. There was there was some good thinking behind how they created these first two years in, in ways where they can have protected rivalries and everybody can play everybody in, in a two year span, I think, and uh, home and away with everybody in a four year span. It's perfectly built for these 16 teams. Mm-hmm. And nobody thinks that it's going to stay at 16 teams. So by the time you've added seven, you know, Notre Dame and then another one and another one and another one, then the rules are going to change and how you do it completely changes too. I mean, you just can't keep doing it the same way. So, you know, my bigger question towards an Iowa would be, do you think you're going to continue to have, um, you know, protected rivalry with both Minnesota and Wisconsin once this, this conference goes to 20 or it goes to 22 or it goes to 24. I mean, maybe it does because now you're just in a four team pod with those schools. I don't know, but, but right now they, they developed a really intriguing way to schedule 16 teams, but I just don't see this being the end of it. It's going to, it's going to grow. Yeah. Um, Jordic, uh, this is a kind of the loaded question here, but 
win-loss total projection, TDs, the inter- <laughs> interception ratios, transfer portal recruit impacts, will rule rule with an iron fist, will alcohol be sold at games, not saying it's necessary by any means, or just seeing how it does on volleyball. Um, boy, let's try to break that one apart, and let's do it quick. Boomer, will alcohol be sold at games? Uh, uh, eventually, yes. So. Eventually, yes, as they as they go through it. Uh, Dave, win-loss projection total. Six and six. Oh, six and six. I was wondering when you were going to come in. Rob, TD to internet inter- interception ratios. Uh, 35-15. 35-15. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I seen that uh, wide receiver room they're bringing in. I mean, come on now. Yeah, Mac, <laughs> transfer portal recruits impact. Uh, Sims. What's his name? Um, Major. That's it. I don't know. I don't really understand the question. Is that we're just trying to say which transfer <laughs> portals are going to be the best? Which portal yeah, is there going to be a big impact? I mean, yeah, all, well, it's Jeff Sims. Yeah. So, well, yeah. All three guys I mentioned earlier, Sherman yeah. and, and Scott MJ and, Sherman and, and Kemp. Yeah. I mean, the, the portal the portal guys are going to be huge this season. They, they, yeah. There's, there's there's no shortage of portal guys that could make a contribution this year. Um, and we'll rule rule with an iron fist. I let's just say that he's going to be in charge. I don't think there's going to be any question that he's in charge. Iron and, fist in a velvet glove. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Red velvet. Boom! <laughs> and with that, I think that can take us into parting shots. Dave, back to you. <laughs> uh, can I throw it to someone else then? Yes, uh, yes. You, you let's lead the let's way throw now. it to uh, Redcast Rob. He's been quiet tonight. I want to hear a, a ridiculous rant from Redcast Rob. <laughs> Ridiculous. Well, first of all, I would let like me, to wish a make happy a birthday to uh, to two incoming freshmen who are already on campus, Malachi Coleman, as well as Vincent Carroll Jackson. It is their birthdays, along with our uh, wedding anniversaries for Honky and I. So shout out to them. Um, that's really all I got tonight. So, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. All right, Boomer. Uh, well, don't have a whole lot. Uh, just congratulations on your wedding anniversaries. Now, that's not to each other, right? That's the way you no. put it, Rob. That's, as far that's as okay. we can tell, yeah. but, but you missed that. You missed that part in the beginning where Honky's been married for twenty years. I've been married nineteen years, but nine to Rachel. Gotcha. Okay, <laughs> that works. So. Okay, so that and uh, just a uh, possibly good omen for going into the this season is a. Uh, some of my other teams that I'm rooting for, notably the St. Kilda Saints, are still fifth in the AFL ladder, so that can only be a good sign. They have dropped yes. two in a row, but this week they get uh, West Coast, who is the, the very bottom seller, so that should be a chance to right the ship. And like I said, that can only be a good omen for teams I root for. So but put on the Huskers this year. So Somebody's below science. my ruse. That's amazing. Hey, they're not in the bottom. So No, they are not. All right, Mac. Uh, hey, folks, uh, we're under water restrictions here in Lincoln. Volunteer water <laughs> restrictions. <laughs> okay, let your sometimes you just got to suck it up for your community, folks, and let the yard go brown. It's okay, it'll come back in the fall. We'll look at it as a way to kind of dress up our yard <laughs> for the football season. You know, we'll get all our stencils out and we'll paint our yards, it'll be fine. But you know, for now, let's just chip in the community, limit the water in the yards. It's okay. Yep, you can't eat smoke, make liquor out of your grass. Just let it go, folks. Yeah, <laughs> the rainiest June since the 1880s in Denver. So I, w- I wish we could. The, just... the front comes towards if, if the microphone was Lincoln. Here, here comes a storm front. <laughs> it just, yeah, it it's it unbelievable. Just it's unreal. Yeah, it's uncanny. There's it's something the going on. Here. 
in West. Yeah, we're under we're under flood warning for like here in Greeley for like the last. Like somebody's got a fan. It's a Kool Aid flood warning at Rob's house. (laughs) someone's gonna have to pee. (laughs) Actually, that's what I got up and did earlier. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot of Kool Aid, Rob. That was a lot of Kool Aid. (laughs) Your lips are surprisingly clean, though. Yeah, I would would expect more of a. Yep, I shaved the beard off. Um, gonna stick with it for a little while. All right, Honk. Uh, why don't you get us out of here? <laughs> um, I'll start actually with I, I think Dave's prediction there, six and six. I think it's a very it's a prudent number to say right now. Prudent and I've seen a number. little I've seen a little bit on Twitter right now from a couple of, of accounts that have said, you know, what is wrong with the expectations of this fan base? Like six and six shouldn't be a success. And we've always said this, Mac and I, you've been very we've been very clear on this. We won't put ceilings on this program, and I don't think Dave's doing that either. I don't think Dave's saying we can't win eight or nine, but six and six. I've, I've mentioned this multiple times uh, that that Stoops and Saban and Pete Carroll went twenty and seventeen collectively in their first seasons at USC, Oklahoma, and Alabama. You know, I mean, six and six or seven and five in a transition season, especially in our case, similar to Oklahoma, actually mm-hmm. back in the day. In our case, where we haven't been to a bowl game in six years, six and six. Is is a is a very reasonable and and can be viewed in a in a progress. Success. Well, that was going to be that was my question. What does six and six mean to you, then, Dave? Is that a is that a good year? Is that what the actual expectations of this team? Like, how would you rank that? A six and six. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that it was progress. I mean. I mean, saying it's a good, it's good is all relative, right? So, I mean, I yeah. my, but I guess with, within your context, would you call that good? Like, oh, six and six, that's good. I wasn't sure he could do it. Or six and six satisfied. is kind of like. I'd be okay. satisfied with six and six just because we haven't done it first off okay. in, in a while, right? And we haven't really sure. even gotten close, it feels like. Nope. And, and I mean, to Hockey's point, and I, I've been listening to you guys doing the, the match rule stuff. I mean, it's like, I mean, you can you can easily look at our schedule last year and find how you could get four extra wins. Not that hard. Right. And realize we got four and eight last year with yeah. a broken coaching staff and, and a, a, an intern that just patched things together together and got them to play a little bit better. And, and we beat Iowa at the end of the year, still playing hard. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not a huge leap to get to six. Um, yeah. And it's not impossible to win more than that, but a lot of things have to happen good to get well more over six. Right. I mean, yeah. And and that's where like you know the 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 trust factor right of like you know everything falling into place that quickly I'm like I'm I'm just I feel like six is a far more realistic outcome plus or minus right and um and you know I, just a competent coaching staff should get us a couple more wins and then if things fall our way and we happen to not uh, it's not a cop out Eric it's an actual prediction <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I can if if I was betting I would I would take the under on 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 6 because uh, I would I mean I, I wouldn't take the over right so it's it's 6 uh, well, okay, and, you can bet in Lincoln, and you can bet in Lincoln now Dave so you're I've got a, I've got a 6 and 6 question would you be inclined to to move the number higher if you felt like if you felt like there was different roster depth in certain positions, or do you feel like just as just Nebraska's program where it is with the talent they have, I, I guess if what would have to change for you to move that number? Yeah, I, I've, if I had that much more confidence in in Sims being as good as Honky thinks he's going to be for all twelve games, I feel okay. that could be worth it. I think he's going to miss a couple of games. He's missed every every that, season. Yeah, he has not com- completed a, a year. Yeah. 
and he only has a fifty-seven percent. Yep. So if he hit, if he throws sixty-five okay. percent of his passes and runs as much as as hockey thinks he can and stays healthy, we're going to win more than six games. Okay, I, I okay. don't think it's going to happen, and I don't trust Chubber Purdy or Harbrook to win us no. a game yet. No, that's fair. Um, well, that's fair. I think that's where it, I meant. It also matters. Some of that's you know, what six that's, games do we win? Yeah, what? what yeah, who are the six teams we beat. I think that plays a big role too. I mean. Yes, you know, early I mean, on in terms of satisfaction, for, is that what you yeah? Mean? I think so because yeah. I mean, early on, yeah, it'd, it'd be nice to beat Minnesota, and then you have basically three FCS teams after that, and then you know, maybe do you knock off a of Michigan or a Mich- you know? I, I just look at this very historically, and and you can say Dan Lakely historically, not emotionally. Nick Saban went six and six in his first season, took him to a bowl game to win seven, and, and, and his second to last game of the year in the SEC when you get to play a nobody, they lose Louisiana Monroe. So, you know, and, and obviously Stoops with Oklahoma, which is actually a fair comparison to us. They were taking over a program that hadn't won in four or five years. And Pete Carroll goes six and six in year one. But to Dave's point about six and six being viewed as progress, then go and look at year two of those of those teams mm-hmm. at, at each one of those. And that's going to be the sign. And we if if we think that rule is the type of coach that we can we can I'm not elevating him to Saban status right now, but if we can, if we think he has that ability, not till midfall. Well, long term, ten years from now, after he's won some championships, and we <laughs> and we and we we look back and go, well, of course, look at what he did at Temple, look at what he did at you know at Baylor, and and you know there's a reason the NFL. Obviously, was, we were going to trend this way. Yeah, you know, obviously, right? I mean, <laughs> if that's what rule is, then we'll look at year two, and year one is is a, a chance to get there. But you got to get some wins. And speaking of wins, this is actually my real party shot I was going to bring up. Happy 4th of July, everyone. And if you go out to um, Bryan High School Baseball Fireworks Tent on 36 and, and Highway 37 by Pizza Hut in Bellevue, Red Sarah posted this photo. They have frost warning, <laughs> the frost warning fireworks. And the best part about it is the price. The price is sixteen thirty one. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Which wow. um, inflation is That's terrible. Last year it was right there. Last year, last year you could get this for fifteen twenty nine. <laughs> you know, inflation's just run good. rampant. But um, so, anyways, help out, help out the Bryan High School baseball fireworks team. Go out there to thirty six and Highway three. What are the odds of any of that working though? Like, I mean, they have to have a disclaimer. It may not fire. We said it yeah, started it, slow and fizzled out. Oh You light them and just kind of. Eh. It's rich. The most the most fireworks in the entire frost era was the first game that got <laughs> drained out because of all the lightning. <laughs> so there you go. There it was you fun go. to get everyone together. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It was. It's been a while. Looking forward. You guys to this all look fresh and fit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, damn, did you get some more ink down here? Yeah, it looks longer. I'm, a, I'm always getting new ink. Oh well, that's a whole other show if we're talking about Rob Rob's tattoo <laughs> fetish. So uh, let's not do that and let's call that a go big red cast. Go big red. GBR. Heard at Sports Network Production.